Good evening, Patriots. And it's Tuesday, July 26th in the year 2022. And of course, you on the East Coast, you're now in Tomorrowville, which is Wednesday. I'm happy to still be on Tuesday. This time is going so fast these days. We're going to focus on our relationship with Christ and Jesus and God tonight. And before I started this evening, I was doing my prep and literally God just put on my heart to go through Obadiah. And I haven't read Obadiah. It's a very, it's one of the shortest books in the Bible. And I haven't read Obadiah forever. And I really couldn't figure out why Obadiah. And we're going to discover that as well. It, it was pretty profound, the discovery. And we'll get to that in just a second. Patriots, your health is so important. Keeping fit is so important. And keeping our whole body strong is so important. We have Expedition Coffee for a reason because it helps build your immune system, helps maintain that physical, mental clarity all day long, boosts your serotonin and gives you that energy you need. And as I've said so many times, Expedition Coffee is that foundation product that can work with other, is designed to work with other health products. Now, if you go to expeditioncoffee.com, X-P-E-D, expeditioncoffee.com, and you scroll down, there's a couple new products. There's a number of new products, in fact, but a couple I want to draw your attention to. One's called Mitotherm, and I've been using this now for a bit. It's part of my physical training, and it's really awesome. It's Mitotherm is a formula designed to help the body burn fat more efficiently and providing energy at a cellular level. It's fantastic, and it's it really does make a difference, and that's a nice addition to your overall fitness plan and health plan. And there's also another product that I've been using, which is called Pretrition, and that's there. And that's another product that helps the body literally at a cellular level start to rebuild itself. These are just great new additions to the whole product line. And then there's another product line called Surge Surge Stick Pack. I use Surge Stick Pack every single morning. It gives you a boost of energy that you need to kind of give you that surge each day. Wonderful products. And then there's another product called Shield, which is another fantastic product which helps boost your immune system. So I'd ha- encourage you to get on over to Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Take a look at the new products that are on there. Really some good stuff. And I think you'll really be impressed. I There's also a new product called Shut Eye, which helps with sleep if you have trouble sleeping. And it gives gives you a better restful sleep. All of these things are natural and they're literally done and put together by the best lab in the United States. There's, there's not a better lab and they are, they're pure. They source their stuff correctly. There's no garbage in them. You don't have to worry about Chinese fillers or whatever else they put in there. This is top notch product. And all of these things I'm, these products I'm using on a regular basis, and they help. They, they're significant in keeping the body healthy and strong, and especially in this day when we have so much stress in our just our living environment, whether you take it on or not, but the body feels it. And, of course, then we have the addition of this wonderful thing called 5G, which adds enormous amount of cellular stress and damage to the body. And, again, that's, that's where uh, patrician comes in to help some of that rebuilding. And then as we're working a lot, doing whatever we're doing, trying to build in a fitness program, our body needs some of those boosts that really helps 
get the maximum potential out of your body. So check it out. These are expeditioncoffee.com is, is the site. You'll find these products. I just think they're fantastic. I Like I said, I do use them. Everything I endorse here I use, and I've used for a while so that I can tell you that it's good. So if, like, if I take something and I start growing a second nose, I probably won't recommend it. But since I haven't grown a second nose and I have felt better and stronger, I am recommending it. So there you go. How's that? All right, Patriots. So let's dig into a couple of things. First, I, there's a couple of great pieces I found here I want to share. Um, I, I really like this one in terms of when we're – we all have days. We all have these days where you're kind of like, ugh, like what in the heck, God? And I just love this piece talking about a, finding a quiet place. Take a listen. Do you have a broken spirit? Find the quiet place. The place that's free from the distractions of the world. Find the quiet place and pray to God. He said, I'm close to the brokenhearted. He said, I'm close to those who are crushed in spirit. And I'm telling you, family, it never fails. When I come to the quiet place and I seek Jesus, I find Jesus. He leads my heart. He leads my thoughts. Sometimes I get guidance. Sometimes I get peace. Sometimes I get rest. Sometimes I get revelations. Every time I seek the Lord, I find that he's been waiting for me to seek him because he has something for me this day, my daily bread. The problem is when we go days and days and days without eating this bread, we find that we're starving. So I pray that you seek to get this daily bread in your belly. The Lord seeks to make you whole. Oh, that's so true, isn't it? And you know, there's days, and I just like myself, I just grind through this stuff and we grind through this crap that's in our environment, in our world, these stupid perspectives and pedophiles and transgendered nonsense embezzlement, anything negative that is out there, it's like it's a magnet right now to any headline. And unfortunately, our lives are really being hit by that, whether we like it or not. Because at this state that we're in, it's difficult. It would be nice, trust me, I would be the first, one of the first in line to completely unplug and walk away. But it isn't that simple because part of this point now is we are – our information processing is to keep ourselves aware, connected, at the same time knowing how we can disconnect appropriately as we walk with God and have the resources and tools and knowledge enough to be able to help others. Those are just important components right now. But there's an important point in all of this that as we walk, and this next piece I'm going to play to you is very personal to me. didn't intend it to be, but it ends with a very personal note. And it's the point of how God works things so that not only does he help us fix it, but so that we can be seen as one that is fixed. It's a really a great perspective. I'll talk more about it after it plays. 47 seconds. You making stupid decisions ain't God working in your life. That ain't God's fault that you're crazy. Here's the deal. But he's so much God that if you'll give him your crazy, he'll turn that which the devil meant for evil, he'll turn it for good. But don't blame God for your mess that you made. It ain't God's fault. But here's the grace of God. It ain't his fault, but if you'll hand him the mop in the bucket, he'll help you clean it up. And it ain't going to be nearly as quick as you want it cleaned up. It ain't going to be nearly as spick and span as you want it. We want it where nobody knows. God don't operate like that. God keeps it so that when people pass by, they know there used to be a mess right here, but there ain't no more. So let me tell you that personal part of that right there, because I think this is important. And I've told you the story of August 2017, got thrown in jail for 20 days, 
it literally felt like the end of my life. There's so much to that story. I'm not going to get into it all tonight. But here's one of the most destructive parts for me was the media hit, which was very coordinated. If you know how media works, hopefully you do. Because there were 20 articles while I was didn't even have my you know what I was charged with, and I was still in jail. 20 articles hit the national press within an hour of each other. That's a coordinated hit, and it takes a lot of effort to do that. And it was all targeted at destroying my reputation. And what I discovered in that process, and, and, and it, it hurt, and it was, it was horrible to deal with, and it still floats up now and again. And people will write and go, I just can't believe what I discovered about you. <laughs> and my answer is always the same. There's now 1,580 seven podcasts and over 29 million downloads go back to episode 64 and listen and then you decide that's kind of my standard response now but here's why all of this gets to be really interesting for me because it's that last statement you see god broke me and i thought i was broken i thought i was ended and a few weeks later, I accepted Jesus again in my life. I went through a full baptismal, and it was just more, and man, it chokes me up to this day. Very powerful, and just to go through that whole process of once again being reborn. But what's amazing now is, and I think about this, it's like God has led me and, and guides this podcast every day, and we've built this incredible fellowship of people around the world. We've all come together off of this platform, we've built a, a community, a fellowship, a, a worship. And I, I laugh. I enjoy the fact that there's a marker out there in the world that says this is how evil he is or was. They try to, you know, this is what he did, which was a lie to begin with. But that's beside the point. That's the devil working. But the beautiful, beautiful thing is I just laugh now and I'm like, okay. Not only is it not true, but if you want to believe it's true, then... That's okay. Why don't you come over here and witness what God has done? And I think that's the most amazing part. Because God does do this. And, and where we find it to be, if we take it on in vanity and we say, oh, I'm so embarrassed, you're never going gonna to end up being trapped in your own misery, which is ridiculous. God puts challenges on our life and transforms us so that when people encounter us again or people witness this, they can say, wow, what a change. Some people are, are going to say, like, well, dude, what happened to you? Like, look where you were and look where you are now. And I'm like, yeah, look where I was and look where I am now. Isn't that pretty amazing? And if we own it like that and take full ownership of the beauty that God does in our life, what is sometimes in our perspective the worst and most vulnerable point in our life, that's typically how God works becomes our greatest strength. That's the point. And that's where I want to bring in Obadiah. Okay, I don't know if you have ever followed the Bible Project. It's just called Bible Project on YouTube, not the, just Bible Project. I would highly recommend that you subscribe and listen to every one of their videos. Now, here's the crazy part about Bible Project. One, it started as a GoFundMe type, it wasn't, yeah, something like a GoFundMe and one of those um, startup 
places and it's not GoFundMe, but anyway, it's a startup place and they got enough startup funding to get this going. They do a very particular style of animation, which I really like. It's kind of a rolling animation with some static images in it, sketches, great artists. I mean, it's going to get crazier. Here it comes. They are in Portland, Oregon. They are, in fact, across the river. I know exactly where they are. They are across the river from Antifa. And they're in the areas where Antifa kind of on the fringe of the areas where Antifa houses up. These people do amazing work. And it is all about making God's story, the Bible, accessible. It's beautiful. So I've never played a piece by them here. This is a four-minute almost five-minute piece on Obadiah. And I want to play it before we read Obadiah because Obadiah is a very short book. But I want you to listen to this story and I want you to just think about where we are. And then I want you to listen to the end as they tell the deeper meaning of Obadiah and reflect on where our nation is and the valley of decision. I think it's really powerful. And again, like I said, God put on my heart tonight to do Obadiah. And I was like, what? I haven't done Obadiah forever. What is about, what about Obadiah? So I grabbed Obadiah out of Bible Project, and I just started smiling and laughing. I'm like, God, you do have something to say. We'll talk all about this in just a moment. Here we go. The book of the prophet Obadiah. This is the shortest book in the whole Old Testament. It's a mere 21 verses. And at first glance, it does not look very promising. It's a series of divine judgment poems against the ancient people of Edom, which was a nation that neighbored Israel on the other side of the Dead Sea. However, there is way, way more going on here. So first, here's the backstory. The people of Edom were unique because they had a shared ancestry with the Israelites. They both belonged to the family of Abraham, who with Sarah had their son Isaac, who with his wife Rebekah had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Now the book of Genesis told us the story of these two brothers, and to say the very least, they had a tense relationship. They each later received the names Israel and Edom, which eventually became the name of the families that descended from them. And these families replayed the same difficult relationship of their ancestors. Israel and Edom had enormous tensions throughout the centuries, but they still shared that family bond. And it's that bond that was betrayed and shattered in the tragic events of Jerusalem's fall to Babylon. So when Israel was invaded and conquered by Babylon, the people of Edom took advantage by plundering other Israelite cities and then capturing and even killing Israelite refugees. Now in other prophetic books, God held Israel's neighbors accountable for this kind of violence. And so here, Obadiah does the same for Edom. The short book has two halves. The first part is a series of accusations against the leaders of Edom, specifically for their pride and self-exaltation. Literally, as they lived up high in the desert rocks, but also metaphorically, they truly believed they were superior to the Israelites. And it's that pride that led the Edomites to not just stand idly by when Babylon came to destroy Jerusalem, but actually to participate in the destruction. And so God says through Obadiah that Edom will be brought down from their height and destroyed. As they have done to Israel, so it will be done to them. Now, right when you think you're going to hear more about how Edom will meet its doom, the topic suddenly shifts in verse 15. We hear this, the day of the Lord is near against all nations. 
Now, why do we all of a sudden shift from Edom now to all nations? This first is a hinge piece, and it links the first half of the book to the second half, where Obadiah announces the day of the Lord, but not only for Edom. He widens his focus to include all nations. And Obadiah says that all prideful nations that act like Edom will face God's justice in the same way. They'll fall from their prideful heights and come to ruin. Now the combination of these two sections, one about Edom, the other about all nations, shows us why Obadiah was so interested in this tiny southern neighbor of Israel. Obadiah sees Edom's pride and fall as an example, an image of how God will one day confront the pride of all nations and bring about their fall too. It's hardly coincidental that in Hebrew the word Edom or Edom is spelled with the exact same letters as the word humanity or in Hebrew Adam. In Obadiah, Edom's rise and fall is a parable of how God's justice will one day oppose pride and violence among all nations in the day of the Lord. But as in all the prophets, God's judgment is never his final word. Specifically, remember the conclusion of the two books that came right before Obadiah, Joel and Amos. Joel had painted a picture of what will happen after the day of the Lord against all nations. He said that God would perform a new act of salvation in Jerusalem and that all who humbled themselves and called upon him would be delivered. And in the conclusion of Amos, he said that after the day of the Lord has judged Israel's evil, God would raise up the house of David and build a new kingdom for Israel that would include Edom and all the nations called by my name. And so the book of Obadiah has been placed right after Joel and then Amos to expand on these very promises about the hope of God's kingdom over all of the nations. And so the book concludes with a very hopeful future. God says he's going to restore his kingdom over the new Jerusalem, that he'll repopulate it with a faithful remnant. And then from there, God's kingdom will expand to include all the territory and nations around Israel. And so this little book contributes to the larger portrait of God's justice and faithfulness that we're seeing in the prophets. The ancient pride and betrayal of the people of Edom becomes an example of the greater human condition, all of the ways that we betray and hurt each other and God's good world. But there's hope, Obadiah says. Edom's downfall points to the day when God will deal with evil in our world, but also bring his healing kingdom of peace over all the nations. And that's what the book of Obadiah is all about. I absolutely love that analysis. We're going to read Obadiah here in just a moment, but I want you just to reflect for a moment on the world. And there's still one nation that stands out above all the others of being, of actively pursuing God. We're not steeped in ritual like some, not as much anyway. But I do believe that United States, America, still has the heart to seek the relationship with God. We're lost. We've been lost. We walked away for a long ways. But as we witness this happening, as things start to fall apart, people are turning to God. And that's a powerful place for a nation, especially a nation that was blessed with God on the throne above it. And it's not happening in the churches. It's happening in the people, which is profound. And again, I think that's God working very powerfully. We, in, in any way you look at this, the nation is going to be broken. It is being broken right before our very eyes. And that's literally the valley of decision. 
what as we are the people will choose. What path will we choose? Will we choose the path of the broken path to follow those who are obsessing with the repression and enslavement of the people? Or will we seek God and follow that path? And with it, out of the ashes rises a new nation reborn through the love in Christ. I believe that's happening. I don't believe it's going to be quick, but at the same time, I can't speak for God's timing. We could say that this is going to take 40 years, like Exodus, which is a way of saying that it's going to take at least one full generation to weed out some of this. And to a degree, that may be true. But we can never second-guess God's power or the speed at which he can transform. The interesting thing about Obadiah is it gives us that insight. So let's read Obadiah, and we'll continue. So Obadiah, the vision begins with the vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, We have heard a report from the Lord, and an envoy has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise and let us go against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among nations. You are greatly despised. The arrogance of your hearts has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in the loftiness of your dwelling place, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to earth? Though you build high like the eagle, though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves, if thieves come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you will be ruined. Would they not steal only until they are, had enough? If grape gatherers come to you, would they not leave some gleanings? Oh, how Esau, Esau will be ransacked and his hidden treasures searched out. All the men allied with you will send you forth to the border. And the men at peace with you will deceive you and overpower you. They who eat your bread will set an ambush for you. There is no understanding in him. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy wise men from Edom? And understanding from the mountain of Esau? Then your mighty men will be dismayed, O Timon, so that everyone may be cut off from the mountain of Esau by slaughter. Because of, the vi- because of violence to your brother, Jacob, you will be covered with shame and you will be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gate and cast lots for Jerusalem, you too were as one of them. Do not gloat over the brother's day, the day of his misfortune, and do not rejoice with the sons of Judah in the day of their destruction. Yes, do not boast In the day of their distress, do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their disaster. Yes, you do not gloat over the calamity in the day of their disaster and do not loot their wealth in the day of their disaster. Do not stand at the fork of the road to cut down their fugitives and do not imprison their survivors in the day of their distress. We'll finish this in just a moment, but I want to point this out because one of the things that was really heavy on my prayers over the last couple of weeks is, are these words that was, were put onto my heart. Do not game the system. And I've talked a lot about this in terms of a repentance and in terms of making our decision in the valley of decision. It, or the book of Obadiah points this out. 
It's very clear. In the time of distress, which the whole nation is, those, those that are seeking to profit from this will be crushed. These are the people that are out here right now trying to maneuver to get involved in investments with Blackstone. So as Blackstone's buying up all of the houses that, are, that people are either selling or can't afford. You have people that are gaming the system to try to get their money into stocks like Big Pharma so they can make more money in their 401k. They're taking advantage of the survivors. They're taking advantage of those in a weak state in their distress. And this is one lesson that the nation will learn. I am absolutely convinced. And I hope those that are listening will hear this because this isn't now a time to be trying to profit from this. It's not, that's no different than joining the Babylonians in the middle of the fight to sack the city. Taking advantage of the moment of distress for the benefit of your own pocket. I don't think there's anything worse. There's probably some things worse, but that's one of the top ones. And so Obadiah points that out, right? In the beginning, that's the strong message is that you will, you will be cast out. You will be crushed. You will be dropped from your high places and you will be toppled. And so when we talk about the nation being judged right now, this is happening. And within the structure that we have, which is very Babylonian in nature, and we're seeing those that in the high places, you can expect to see some very devastating effects over the next few years as people come to the realization of what they were part of or they physically lose the wealth that they were trying to gain. You're going to see some ugly things. And much of this, you're going to see people that are either going to seek Jesus to repent or they're simply going to be destroyed because of their greed and their foolishness. This is where the power of the remnant comes in right now in our voice to try to lead people away from those temptations. And it's such a powerful moment in all of our lives that we should be seeking that fully. So let's continue to the end of Abadiah. This is the second part, the day of the Lord and the future. For the day of the Lord draws near on all nations as you have done, it will be done to you. Your dealings will return on your own head because just as you drank on my holy mountain, all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and swallow and become as if they had never existed. But on Mount Zion, there will be those who escape and it will be holy, and the house of Jacob will possess their possessions, and the house of Jacob will be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, but the house of Esau will be a stubble. And they will set them on fire and consume them, so that there will be no survivor of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Then those of the Negev will possess the mountain of Esau, and those of Shep, Elah, and the Philistine plain also possess the territory of Ephraim and the territory of Samariah. And Benjamin will possess Gilead and the exiles of the host of, son, of the sons of Israel who are among the Canaanites as far as Zarephath and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Sephahard will possess the cities of Negev there, the deliverers will ascend Mount Zion to judge the mountain of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. It's a harsh judgment at the end. 
And it's a judgment that was well-earned because of the lack of returning to the Lord and instead seeking to gain for themselves. We are truly in a pivotal moment in our history, a moment where we have to start finding the greater walk and greater purpose that God intended us to be here. It's not an easy walk, and it is, but it is definitely a walk that challenges us to keep on one hand from being turned into somebody's doormat, but most importantly, to lead always with that sort of the spirit which bridges those distances and differences and gives compassion and love in a powerful way where people think there isn't any. Take a listen to this short piece about how someone saw themselves as not worthy. I was talking to my non-Christian friend the other day and he said to me, you know what? I can never be a Christian. I said, bro, what are you talking about? He said, I can never be a Christian. If you only knew the things that I've done, the things that I do, if there is a God, I don't deserve his love. And I said, you're right. He said, excuse me? I said, you're right. You don't deserve God's love. In fact, you deserve to be burning in hell. He said, bro, why would you say that to me? I said, here's the thing. It's not just you. It's me too. It's every single one of us. We all deserve to be burning in hell. God's love is not something that you can be deserving of. It's not something you could earn. Jesus went up on that cross fully knowing that nobody deserved it. But guess what? He did it anyway because he loves us. He loves us and he wants to know us. When he looks at you, he doesn't see some awful, broken, sinning reject that can't be touched. No, when Jesus looks at you, he sees a heart that hasn't been changed yet. So let him change it. (laughs) Let him change it. He changed mine. Patriots, we have to give God and Christ the room to work. And if all we're going to do is judge and pride ourselves in the victory over the fact that we didn't take the vax or we didn't fall for this or that. All we're doing is creating an impossible barrier for God to get through us and into them. In fact, we're separating ourselves from God. If we looked at ourselves as a sword that God is wielding, how would God wield a sword whose flame is dead and whose edge has been hammered dull? God would have to remake it. He'd have to send it back to the swordsmith. They'd have to reforge it in fire. They'd have to once again strengthen the steel and temper it. They'd have to polish the edges to make it sharp. They'd have to put on the new hilt and get rid of the rust and the corrosion. And then they'd have to test it to make sure it was strong. Then they would send it back. And taken in the hands of a mighty warrior, that sword would wield devastation. You see, we're the sword. God's been reforging us this whole time. And we have to continue to let him reforge us. Because he's wielding each one of us. And he's wielding us as he needs to. It's not a place to moan and bemoan where we are in the station in life. God has us here where he needs us. And it's God is providing, if we're trusting in him, everything that we need, and then some. And that doesn't mean that everything that we need means that we need to have 15 houses and have a $50 billion slush fund to go buy up people's desperation, which is what Blackstone is doing. Now, this is very different. This is each of us learning to steward and maximize what God gave us. 
think of the person that lives in an apartment that says, I can't grow seeds and I would, I can't grow plants or I can't grow a garden. And I'd say, yes, you can. Because one on the counter or in your bedroom or in a closet with a grow light, you can grow a few things, but maybe your role isn't to grow food as much as to sow spiritual seeds for God to work. See, all of us are where we need to be right now. This has been a big shakeup over the last few years. Some people have physically been pulled to move. Others have been, for many reasons, been left to stay where they are. However your station in life, it's where God needs you right now. Because the remnant that he has, he's listening to. And just like Obadiah, there is always another way. God has not decided the finality of this nation. Not at all. We're in the valley of decision. And a lot of that decision is going to rest on us on how we allow God to wield us as the sword of the Spirit. That means we have to trust in him. That means we have to cast aside our burdens and our frustrations and our angers and worse, our vengeance and our desire to see justice brought upon somebody. I watched a video earlier tonight that I have to say was very impressive. There's some people right now that are doing some incredible on-the-street on pastoring. They've left their churches. They've gone out to the streets. They've gone to these demonstrations where the extreme of extremes are, where people are dressed up like Baphomet and dressed up like Baal and, or Baal, where people are worshiping the death of children. It's a misguided youth. And what did the, I've seen this pastor do a lot of work, but this particular scene was pretty powerful. He came up to somebody that most of us would walk away from, probably me would be one of those. And I, I have to rethink this in my own life because he walked up to somebody that was dressed in truly a satanic outfit. This boy, the young man, was dressed with horns on his head, a black cloak, a white painted face. He had piercings in his eye, uh, in his nose. He had nail polish on. He had tattoos all over his hands. He was a Satanist. And this pastor talked to him and hugged him and prayed with him in an embrace, reminding him that Jesus loves him. That's change. And that's the sort of the spirit. You see, in this time, we fought a war. That We fought a battle, and the battle was to save people from themselves. And we did everything we could. And we left with scars. That happens. Every battle leaves you with scars. Memories of things you wish had never happened. That's war. And everybody that's been out here in this fight has now experienced war. No, it didn't take the form of uniforms and muskets. It took the form of even more devastating things. Weapons that pierce the mind. Weapons that struck at the heart. Weapons that try to crush your soul. Weapons that left you emotionally hurt. Weapons that left you alone and feeling that the only place you could turn was God. And guess what? That's exactly why he had you there. And the powerful thing about this is we did everything we could. And at times, even in the midst of this, we were, we were all frustrated. 
And we fought hard because even shaming at times was a good thing because it helped stir people. But I, we all have to pivot now because like any war, there's battles and you fight one battle one way and you have to fight other battles another way. We're in a different battle now. Whatever decisions people have made, they have made. And we know that many of those decisions are resulting in deaths and in permanent injury. From a very dark and callous side, one could sit back and say, oh, look, most of the liberal class took the vax. In fact, 95 plus percent of them took the vax and at least 70%, if not 80%, took the second vax and about the same percentage took the third of the liberal class. And we could pride ourselves on that. We could tap ourselves on the back and say, <laughs> look what they did, ah, suckers. That's not how we win. It breaks my heart that they couldn't hear. And I asked God a lot, was that intentional? And I don't know. But these are God's children. We're all part of one family. And people are dying. They're dying every day if you're not paying attention. And it's not small. And it's not something to celebrate. I, I'm sorry they couldn't hear. At times I've been frustrated and angry. But now is a different war. Because we have to pray with and for them for their salvation. They've made a bad choice. They need us to help them find their way home. That's a big task. And it's one that only the remnant can do. Because we understand both the glory and the joy and the power of God Almighty. And God didn't put us here to be lax and to take an easy path. And that easy path doesn't mean that we're being whipped and chattled. Maybe at times we were. We were ostracized. They've told us they want us dead. They've done everything evil about us. But do you know the most miraculous thing? Is we're still here praying. And we have to continue to. I can't stand the likes of people that groom kids. I can't stand the likes of people that kill others for their own pleasure. And there is such a thing as evil and there is a justice that must come. But that's not the same as somebody who made a decision in their life because they were framed in fear. Because they never had a true or, un, or a ability to have a true relationship with Jesus. Because a church was bankrupt or a church caused them to walk away because the teachings were so screwed up. Yeah, we're all sinners, but God didn't ask us to stay that way. And unfortunately, way too many pulpits want you to constantly be in the state of depression and think that you can, you're always going to be a sinner because when you peddle guilt, you fill the offering plate. Jesus never peddled guilt. He peddled, he spoke truth. He spoke inspiration to the heart. He spoke challenges that people can overcome if they chose to let go. We have 
many people out here that are damaged by this vax. We have many people out here that are damaged by an ideology of worship that's a cult. They've been trained and convinced and brainwashed to hate God, to hate Jesus. Doesn't that, that should rock your heart with pain. None of us seek that. And if they only knew the truth, how much happier they would end up being and how much more deeply healed they could be. And who's going to bring it to them? And it doesn't mean that speaking truth is, is supposed to be like we're supposed to tap dance around this thing and make it easy. Sometimes you have to hit the truth with a hammer to drive it in. And it doesn't mean that they're going to thank you for it, and it doesn't mean that they're going to celebrate with you and dance around. But however God leads us in these moments, if we're listening to deliver a message of truth so that they can start to shake and shatter the trap that they're in, these matrix boxes that they've been put in, that's when we start to move all of us towards the direction we need to go, which is the path with God. So many on this side have functioned along the lines of Obadiah's enemy. They took advantage of the, of the people in their desperate moments, in their distress. They've prided themselves in coming out and flaunting their craziness, flaunting their hatred for God, flaunting their need to take more shots and the idea that others need to die or be incarcerated or being forced to do what they themselves did. So much of that is their own guilt that's deep within. I'm not telling you that there's no evil. There is such a thing as pure evil, and there's no way that we will bargain with evil. And I'm not telling you that we bargain with this. There's a big difference because there isn't such a thing as peace at any cost. But if we're going to be serious about this war in winning and we look at ourselves as the sword of the spirit that, the God, that God is wielding, then we need to each ask ourselves, is our flame as strong as it could be? Is our edge as sharp as it can be? Is the steel within the sword of the spirit as strong as it can be made and forged? And if it's not, then challenge God to put you back through the furnace and purify you. And that doesn't mean it will be easy, but sometimes purifying simply means he will put you in a place to challenge you again to grow. What a profound time we live. And what a profound gathering of people from all over the world in diverse places to come to this spot and to reflect on how we, each of us, can be more effective for God. By definition, living that way, that is the remnant. And the most powerful part of Obadiah is it is the remnant who celebrates through God, who lives to please God, who prays to God for the forgiveness and for the mercy of a nation. It is the remnant that God hears the most 
and who the remnant that can swing God's decision. That's there. And guess what? Every one of us needs to be doing that. This nation is going to be broken because it has been built on a footing of sand. But this nation, like many nations that choose, will be rebuilt on the rock of faith. So who are those that will rebuild it? I think the answer is right before us. It will be those that seek the heart of Jesus, that seek the face of God, and seek to live to please him in all things we do. Let us pray. Father, forgive us this evening as we come before you for any of our thoughts that have sought to seek vengeance or pride over the destruction of those that made bad choices. And while we can say openly that we have encountered true evil in this world, we have witnessed true evil in this world, we also have seen many who have fallen under their spell and been victimized by intentions that they believed were true. Father, we pray tonight for the many who have suffered that hand, the hand of deception that led them astray like the Pied Piper left the children away from their families. And Father, we pray tonight for those souls. We pray for the opportunity that they can find that connection with Christ. We pray that they can hear our prayers, that they can lift their eyes to seek you, to find a deeper connection, no matter what their state, no matter what their physical state. We pray for their souls that they can find that connection with Christ and find the deeper healing within. So many have been damaged. So many have been broken. So many have died. It's not something we can celebrate. It's something that every one of us carries in our heart. Forgive our nation. We pray for mercy on our nation, but we also know that the hand of justice must, must come down. Father, our nation must be remade, but we pray for the nation to be rebuilt from its ashes on the rock of faith, the love in Jesus, and putting you back on the throne. So whatever it takes from us to go from here to that point, Lead us on this exodus. Guide us. Give us the strength, not just for ourselves, but to raise up the many. Give us the chance to show our heart, to raise up the many. And let the many witness the true power of the light of Christ that flows through us, to be inspired to give hope and above all to heal. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We cannot ever forget that we are all one body. And while there are 
those that are going to choose to try to reject that. We have to continue to try our best effort with God, our Father, to heal as many that we can. Our Father doesn't just join us in these moments to help mop the floor because it's a good thing. He does it because that's what a father does. He doesn't just forgive us and love us simply because. He forgives and he lets us learn and he lets us fall and he helps us stand back up and he loves continually because he's our father. That's what a good father does. And sadly, too many people in this time have never experienced what a good father does. And there comes a point that every father has to let his children go into the world. He has to let them fall. And they have to remember the lessons that he taught. But the problem is that there's still a lot of people out here that have never understood or even had the chance to learn who their father is. And if they've never had that chance, then we have to ask ourselves how we can expect them to know that right or wrong, that lesson that their father would have taught them if their entire life they were told to hate him. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they have done. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Pray for this nation. Pray for the many that need to learn what their true father is like. And let us be part of that beautiful and glorious process. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. He won't forsake anyone. And in the end, God always wins. But this isn't that type of a fight. We are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. Yes, we are at war. And that's why we must always walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. And that's why we must occupy this land. And that's why we must expand this kingdom. And that's why we keep our mission forward. Have a very blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now, I can see it now Fit together
gets down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Thank、you.